alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. To the 75th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody, and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. It's been a uh, pretty nice week in Iowa, uh, or <laughs> Minnesota, I should say. Uh, we were it's, just talking about Iowa, so I got confused there. It's never a good week to be in Iowa. Just no, just absolutely not. Apparently, they always just get the worst of everything there. Uh, but Phil, we need to hear a, a Jelaine Maxwell update. Why don't you take us on that journey? Well, it's a little bit old news, kind of. But uh, Jelaine Maxwell earlier this week, I guess she was denied being allowed into general population and to be taken off of suicide watch. So still alive. I was completely wrong. I think your guess is coming up uh, in a month, but um, from today, actually. But there is other news. Apparently, she's in more trouble. Uh-oh. So a man who goes by the name Merlin, he lives in England, and he claims that Ghislaine Maxwell drugged and abused him, and he is now suing her for $10 million. So she did this to a potential wizard yes apparently she did this to a wizard so the man is claiming that he was drugged and sexually abused by Ghislaine Maxwell and he is suing her in Manhattan federal court I mean I'm look I'm not doubting that this didn't happen to the man but I feel like their profile between her and Jeffrey was only women that they did that to yeah I'm Pretty sure that this uh, lawsuit's not exactly going to go very far. Apparently, he found a lawyer to pick this up for him. Mm. Well, I mean, she does have a lot of money. Well, I don't I don't know. I assume she has a lot of money. She has a lot of money, but I don't think she can touch any of it right now. I'm pretty sure all of her shit was frozen. I should probably know this, whether... Okay, she's obviously in jail. I'm kind of wondering if she can access her money, but can her lawyers access her money to pay them? I'm not exactly sure. I don't know how that works. If they get paid by her estate later on. I be, I don't know. Also, I know is the guy from The Staircase. I don't know if you ever watched that, but uh, he proves that you can kill two wives and be rich and get off of it. Oh, yeah. You can do anything and be rich. As long as you're rich, you can get off of it pretty much. Did you watch the documentary? No, I have not. Oh, wait, is that the one where the guy pushed his wife down the stairs? Well, he cl- <laughs> he claims a bat or something flew at her, and somehow she did, like, 74 somersaults hitting her head all the way down the uh, the stairs, yes. Directly onto, like, a baseball bat or something like that? Yeah, it's... At the bottom of the stairs? Yeah. If you look at the crime scene photos versus falling down the stairs, I, it doesn't really match too well. Just like that movie Mystery Men, how he accidentally fell down the elevator chute onto seven bullets. Yeah, I don't. 
I that's an underrated movie. I know we've talked about that before, but uh, that was the Bowler's dad, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I forgot what her the actress's name is in real life, but she was she was one of those actresses that was in everything like comedy during the nineties. Uh, it was Janine Garofalo. Yeah, Janine Garofalo. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get started here, Phil, there's one thing I wanted to talk about. So. I don't know if you've seen the actual documentary series on Netflix called Game Over, I believe it is. I'm probably going to watch that this weekend. I just need the time to watch it. They're, so they they talk to kind of like the people who started the the RPG, I guess, segment of video games. And the the couple that they talked to on there created Sierra Games, right? And I was I know I've heard that before. And then I'm looking at the games and I'm like, oh my God, these are all the games that Phil plays. Empire Earth, which I just uh, started playing a little bit again. They created it. Uh, King's Quest, don't you play that too? No, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? Maybe that's Adam. <laughs> the Adam. Somebody has been playing King's Quest and I'm not really sure uh, who it is. I thought it was you, but yeah, they definitely, it, it's very interesting that they kind of created all the games that you kind of like to play. Yeah, it's interesting. You don't really, when you think about a video game, you don't really think about the studio that created them. But like some of them, those, it's weird how those studios just like they come and they go or they get bought up. Like, uh, have you ever heard the story of like LucasArts, the ones who created all the Star Wars games? I guess Disney disbanded them and they were the ones who made like the original Star Wars games for, I think, Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo. Well, I'm sure they did that because they thought they could get it done cheaper or some shit like that. Their own in-house bullshit. The yeah. ones who make Kingdom Hearts. We need to we need to be like keeping an eye on Disney. Disney is one a subject that I definitely want to do on this show at some point, but there's so many like layers to it. There's so many different tentacles coming off that can branch into different conspiracies revolving around Disney and some of them are kind of credible. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so much stories just about Walt Disney. <laughs> Outside of that, he didn't like Jewish people? Yeah, there was that. Well, I mean, a lot of people back then didn't like Jewish people. <laughs> but if in my, uh, I took a class on American conspiracy theories, and it there was every single conspiracy theory that came out of the early 1900s, late 1800s, you could basically trace it back to people didn't trust Jews. So... Mm against them yeah that's a sad fact that we kind of uh being that you and i deal with the conspiracy world that's kind of like a sad truth yeah like the illuminati uh the bavarian illuminati a cornerstone of that conspiracy is like anti-jewish trust wait they have specific segments of the illuminati i thought they were all kind of working together well that's the original illuminati that oh, came up the, the bavarian Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's talk about something that is not, well, I don't think it's involving the Illuminati, but uh, have you ever heard of the Hope Diamond? Yes, I have. I just, I couldn't pick it out of a lineup, but I have heard of it. I mean, it's a very lovely jewel. We'll give it that. Now, the reason that I chose this one was because we've done things like, uh, God, I can't even think of the name. The Busby Death Chair. We've talked about the uh, uh, Pharaoh's Curse, the Mummy's Curse, things yes. like that. So the Hope Diamond has a lot of death associated with it, 
which is kind of where this whole conspiracy comes into play. So we're going to learn about the history of the diamond, all about it, and then kind of follow the bodies that are associated with it, for a lack of better terms there. But we'll start off here with uh, the Smithsonian National Gem Collection on display in the National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C., includes exquisite gems such as the Napoleon Diamond Necklace, the Mary Louise Dedum, the Mary Antoinette Earrings, the Spanish Inquisition Necklace, the Portuguese Diamond, and the Hooker Emerald, and of course, the one we're most interested in, the Hope Diamond, because of the deaths associated with it. Now, have you heard of any of these other pieces of jewelry here i mean it sounds like almost all of them have death associated with them yeah it really does uh one of them that popped right out besides the hooker emerald emerald which is pretty interesting but the spanish inquisition necklace i'm guessing that was used to choke heathens in the past <laughs> it's just a basically a leather strap that's the uh the ultimate power now like if the catholic church is an rpg the Spanish Inquisition necklace would be like the number one necklace equipment piece that you could you could put on your character. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. Wait, it, you... just, it just drains the life right out of people. <laughs> you know what the hooker uh, hooker emerald is? No, I don't. But I'm guess there's a trick. Kind of like the ping pong trick that you see at some strip clubs. Is that what it's involved in? I mean, it, it definitely could be. I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Some of these are kind of kind of interesting. I bet the Napoleon diamond necklace is really small. It's probably the size for children, huh? It probably does have a complex associated with it. <laughs> the Marie Antoinette earrings. I wonder if they picked those off of her uh, headless, like when her head was taken off of her body. I wonder if they just took those off of her ears at that time. Wouldn't doubt it. Uh, It's funny because we're going to be talking about her later in this episode, and that's why I mentioned you're the history master, so you're going to be sliding into this like a glove. Yeah. If you ever see uh, the old, I believe it's a wood carving that they make prints off of, but you can actually, there's a legend that after they took her head off, they held it up to the crowd and she like gave them a scowled look on her face and then like opened up her mouth almost like she was saying something after her body, after her head was taken off of her body. Well, I mean, they cut her head off. You better be giving them a dirty look. Yeah. Well, I think your brain's still alive for a few seconds after your head comes off your body. <laughs> so maybe she was angry with them thinking. Mean I, thoughts. I, I feel like if either of you, you or I got decapitated, I feel like we might be a little angry about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be, that'd be cause for a, a mean look. <laughs> anyway, now, the Hope Diamond is also known as Le Bijou de Rue, uh, the King's Jewel, or Le Bleu de France, the France's Blue, or France Blue, uh, or the Tavernier Blue. We'll get into why it's called those later in the episode. Now, it is a large blue diamond coming in at 45.52 carats, about the size of a walnut. It's in a setting designed by Pierre Cor- <laughs> I think it's Cartier. I assume yeah, that's how Cartier. 
Yeah, we'll talk about him later as well. Surrounded by 16 alternating pear-shaped and cushion-cut white diamonds on a chain of 45 white diamonds, which makes its value around 200 to $250 million. So that is, it's expensive to buy this fucking thing. Yeah, it's either worth 200 to $250 million, or if you realize what diamonds are actually worth, about 85 cents if you crush them all up and put them in saw blades. <laughs> you know what's interesting, though? So the Hope Diamond itself is so valuable because it is a deep blue-colored diamond. Now, apparently, deep blue-colored diamonds are already valuable, but they almost never are more than just a few carats. So to find one, and when we learn about the original size of this thing, which is almost double of what it is at now, that thing is so rare. Like this diamond, I cannot explain to you how rare this diamond is. Well, I can imagine, yeah, with the deep blue color, I can see why this diamond, obviously it's so rare and it's so beautiful. They cut it perfectly and it's hundreds of years old. I can see how it'd be worth. I bet you can't even really put a price on it. No, absolutely not. Like from what, from my understanding, like blue diamonds just do not get that big. Like they just do not. It'd be like, okay, we're looking at the Napoleon lineage of family members. And all of a sudden you got one that's like six, six. That's how rare this diamond is. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it is funny because you hear commercials like I, I listen to the radio or you're watching on TV. You see like the diamond commercials. They talk about how they also sell manufactured diamonds, the ones that they can make. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that those diamonds, they charge just as much money as those diamonds as they do for real diamonds. <laughs> it's not it's they claim for the same price, you get a bigger diamond with the manufactured diamond or whatnot. But when they're telling you that they can make these, it tells you just how not rare diamonds are. Is it, is it, it's a, uh, what's that Belgian company? They're kind of the, are they Belgian or Swiss? They kind of, they kind of like control the fake diamond market. Well, there's De Beers who has a like huge vaults and they control, they're a cartel. They control like the world reserve of diamonds. They have them all stashed away, basically like locked up in their basement and they control. So say if you're a diamond dealer and you go there, what they'll do is they'll just give you a box and say, okay, here you go. Give us the money. And then you open that box and whatever you get, you get. But the, but what I'm saying is they, they create a fake rarity to the diamonds. Like oh yeah. They, they, the rarity is they store all these diamonds. If they, if they let out all of those diamonds onto the market, the diamond market would just completely crash because people would realize how many diamonds there are and how not rare diamonds are. With the, I mean, obviously this blue one is extremely rare. And I think certain colors, like, I think pink is also rare too in a larger size. Oh, I, yeah, I'm sure. I, I remember it was a few years ago in Russia, they had discovered it was where an asteroid had hit. And I think it had been buried, but there was still a cave there. And when they located it, it was full of fucking diamonds. And if Russia had decided to, like, just sell them, because Russia's not going to listen to goddamn De Beers, that 
uh, they could have destroyed the diamond market, but I think a lot of those diamonds were industrial diamonds as well. So you would have to use them for like tools and such. Well, that's the thing about like the world market. Would you rather take those diamonds, flood the world market with it and get no money back? Or would you rather sell it to the beers? They right. would give you money to not flood the market and you'd be getting that money anyway. Because what would you rather do? Flood the market and sell your diamonds for nothing or sell it to the beers and get top dollar? Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I'm assuming we know our Russia probably did. I imagine. Yeah. They probably went along. <laughs> anyway, so let's get into the origin story of the Hope Diamond. Now, the very beginning of it is a little clouded. Okay. So the legend of the Hope Diamond goes that it was discovered in India and was initially placed on the brow of a statue of the Hindu goddess Sita and was placed inside of a temple. Very Egyptian-like, I guess you could say. Now, eventually, a Hindu priest eventually plucked the gem out, out of the idol, either attempting to steal it or whatever he wanted to do with it, but eventually he was caught for his crimes and his punishment was to suffer a slow and agonizing death. And I think this is in, I think they think it is in the 1400s, I believe, is when they think it was found in India. When it was originally found or when they found it on this priest? Well, the 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 thing is, let's keep in mind, Phil, the, this, this story could be all horseshit. Okay? Oh, okay, gotcha. It, like, it's building a mythos about this diamond. More people believe that it was just a big-ass blue diamond that they found in a mine in India. That's more what, what more people believe actually happened, but some say that they were using it on this, this, uh, this idol statue that they would pray to, and the little priest stole it, and it almost sounds like something out of Indiana Jones, really. So it's almost like some future diamond merchant maybe be sold the story that it was placed on top of some ancient idol of, what was it, Sita? Yeah, Sita. I should have looked up what she was the goddess for. I'm not quite sure. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of the legend of the origin story of the Hope Diamond. And obviously, as we're going to find out, the Hope Diamond goes through a lot of king's hands uh, <laughs> to the point where it is now. So I, I was going to say, I'm willing to bet that at some point, a British person stabbed a bunch of people and then said, hey, look at this cool diamond I found. <laughs> Well, you're not too far off, but I think that's about 300, well, yeah. yeah, I'd say about two, 300 years from now before the Brits get their hand on it. Now, eventually the Hope Diamond fell into the hands of a French gem merchant named Jean-Baptiste Tavernier, who would sell it to King Louis XIV. Now, at the time that King Louis came to own it, the Hope Diamond was sitting at a whopping 110 to 112 carats. So that is over double the size that we see it as now. That is insane. That is a big diamond. I wonder what it actually looked like. It probably just looked like a, a like a baseball sized like jagged rock that was like just blue, pretty blue, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I I don't know. It's uh it, it's very interesting. It'd be 
so weird to look at it in that state. Mm-hmm. But God, that's big. Now, King yeah. King Louis the Fourteenth eventually cut recut the diamond down to around sixty seven carats. Uh, apparently, this is when he renamed it the French Blue. After this, he would place it on a ribbon, and then he would wear it for certain ceremonies, almost like a symbolic thing, I guess. And this is kind of where, well, I should say the the Hindu priest, I guess, is technically the first death associated with it because he was tortured to death or whatever. But they also include the death of uh, the gem merchant Jean-Baptiste, uh, who obviously made a pretty good chunk of change from the sale. Eventually, he was apparently mauled to death by a pack of wild dogs. As he should be. Yeah, it's... uh. <laughs> some people say it was a Hindu priest who was the first death, and some say it was Jean Baptiste who was the first death. Uh, I, you know, this reminded me because my research when I was like doing Elizabeth Bathory and stuff. There's a few people who got mauled by wild dogs. I don't. We're just wild dogs, just like everywhere. I would imagine that you were more likely to be killed by wild dogs, like back in these days. We, we have a lot of controls in place to keep people from being eaten by wild dogs. <laughs> but if you like go around any like suburbs, people who let their dogs out at night, they do form packs. And even like the tamest lap dog will become like a gang member at night. So, well, I mean, once their survival instincts kick in, yeah. then they're, they're ready to go. They turn into a herd. <laughs> now, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Nicholas. Fouquet, I believe that's how we say it, who worked for King Louis XIV, and he is said to have worn the diamond for a special occasion. Shortly thereafter, he fell out of favor with the king, and he was banished from France. Now, not only being ba banished from France, apparently he was arrested as well, and initially his sentence was 15 years, but then the king charged him with life imprisonment where he spent the rest of his life at the uh, fortress of pigeonhole now there was one website who claims have you heard of the man in the iron mask yes i have apparently this is supposed to be this guy allegedly i don't know but they they try to wrap it into he touched the diamond and then he basically got a rotten prison we don't really know what his crimes were but yeah, the man in the oh, I was gonna say the man in the Iron Mask that has been attributed to like a few people throughout the years. There is quite a few different legends. Mm, maybe we'll have to do that one episode because I don't really know that much about it outside of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, acting in that movie. Yeah, and I think that was what was that the Four Musketeers story or Three Musketeers? I don't. Fourth, well, there was literally a movie called The Man in the Iron Mask. Yeah, no, in the story, it was the Musketeers deal. But I haven't oh, seen that movie forever, so. Gotcha. Well, anyway, they they put Nicholas in with the curse, whether you want to believe it or not, whatever. But King Louis the Fourteenth, um, they associate his death with it. He died of gangrene at the age of 77. Not a pleasant way to go out. No, it's not. But living to seven, living to the age of 77 back then is actually kind of you would be considered an extremely old man <laughs> hey that's very true so yeah i think what we're gonna learn here is they're kind of grasping at straws with the curse of it i guess 
Okay, yeah. That's so kind basically any it's kind of like the with the Egyptian story we did. Anyone who dies of anything, they associate with the curse. Yeah, and as we'll find out, kind of the most well-known curses with this Hope Diamond are in the uh, 20th century, and that's when a guy kind of wrote a book about it. So mm. that's where the legend started to go. Although this, if we're being fair, the Hope Diamond is associated with a lot of people who died. So, you know. Yeah. But anyway, after King Louis Fourteenth, it was handed down to King Louis Fifteenth, who eventually recut the gem once again. This time, he had them create an elaborate pendant known as the Order of the Golden Fleece. Have you ever heard of this thing? No, I have heard of the Golden Fleece. That's kind of an old, like... Greek thing, right? Greek mythological story, yeah. I should I should have linked a picture in, in here. It uh, it looks pretty neat, actually. It kind of <laughs> looks like an award you'd win at, like, a uh, track meet or something. <laughs> That's the best way yeah. I can describe it. Like, literally, <laughs> you, come in, you come in third place at a track meet, you're going to win something that resembles the Order of the Golden Fleece. It reminds me of whenever... So for those old wrestling little uh, competitions that I had to go to when I was forced to be in wrestling, they would give a medal to every single person who won. So first place, gold, then silver, bronze. The problem is it's for all of the different little subgroups. So everyone walks away with a medal, but then you would see the person holding the fourth place medal. And it was just this like dark brown color because it wasn't you know, bronze, silver, or gold. And their faces were always disappointed when you would <laughs> see the pictures afterwards. I got an award that looks like hardened shit. Yeah, it looks like a fucking old piece of chocolate that's hardened. <laughs> I can tell you I did wrestling as well. I, I Wrestling's big in Iowa. It's just what it is. But uh, yeah, I wasn't real into it either. No, me neither. Now, King Louis the Fifteenth. this is interesting because... <laughs> He started getting little red dots all over his body, and uh, their their source of cure was bloodletting, very popular back then. But eventually, they determined he had smallpox, and at the age of sixty four, he he succumbed to smallpox. I don't know how bloodletting was going to help smallpox, though. Um, it wasn't. <laughs> That's why they don't use it anymore? <laughs> I mean, Lance Armstrong kind of does in a more scientific way well back then there was it was like the four fluids they believed that every person every body had these four fluids that need to be balanced and it was i think it was like yellow bile black bile blood and spit or something like that but they would think oh his uh his fluid is off balance so they would wet a little blood out and they thought that would help you become back into balance they were basically just grasping at straws well here's the thing if we if we t take a positive turn on that phil if those doctors would have been born in say or were let's say middle-aged men in the 1950s they would have been great mechanics for vehicles oh yeah because they only have four fluids they would have yeah. been great <laughs> so actually the weird thing is they used to use leeches and that obviously fell out of fashion with you know modern medicine but they've actually brought the use of leeches back to if you've ever like if you ever get like a like a finger or a something reattached to your body in order to like help circulation they'll actually put leeches on oh your, yeah your your appendage oh yeah i uh 
one of my friends who is a uh, surgeon told me that a gentleman had cut his penis off and when they reattached it, they put leeches all over it. Yeah. Did he ask for like maybe have some additional, you know, anything put in the middle to make it a little longer or? No, no, no. Well, I think he they just put, went for the old size. I think they just put a Lego log in the in between it and just put <laughs> <laughs> called it a day. All right. Now, after King Louis the Fifteenth died, it was given to King Louis the Sixteenth and Marie Antoinette, and they uh, held on to it until it disappeared during the French Revolution. Now, like you mentioned earlier, they associate the beheading of King Louis and Marie Antoinette as part of the curse of the Hope Diamond. So what I find interesting here is when I was doing all the research for this, uh, Bianca and I just so happened to, or she, I should say, she forced me to watch Les Mis. Are you familiar with this film? Yeah, I have seen that film. Uh, part of it, the the singing kind of gets me out of it. But. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, same for me. But anyway, so in the film, they make it appear, and apparently in the book as well, they make it appear as if that is the start of the French Revolution because it's dated in, uh, the, the film's dated in 1930 or 1832 or something like that. And for a second there, I was like, is my notes and dates messed up? Then I realized that that's not actually the French Revolution. No, it's not. No. It apparently was something, what they call it, like, I can't remember now, but it was like a small uprising, and they were taking it out within, like, 15 minutes or something. So, yeah, the weird thing um, about that time, and it happened uh, later on in Germany, there was a lot of, like, a big movement towards representative government, and Germany is a really big story about actually, like, becoming an, a success story of the people actually getting power but france was really turbulent after the french revolution it kept going back and forth between like representative democracy republic and a king uh napoleon's i think grant great nephew or something became the king eventually but mm. well well during that movie they talked about someone called the people's king that they were revolting i can't remember his name but but anyway back to this film wasn't Marie Antoinette wasn't a bad person, though, right? Or no, was she? she was just a rich person mm. who kind of didn't care about French people, and French people didn't really like her oh. because they could tell that she didn't really give a fuck about them. She was Austrian, so. Gotcha. I didn't think she was the bad guy, necessarily. In the, I don't really know that much about the French Revolution, but I thought everyone said she wasn't necessarily the bad bad guy in the monarchy there no she wasn't it's just the fact that really there was a lot of propaganda out against her and like public thought was really like going against her especially when they heard about all of the extravagant shit that she did but it's not like she did anything different than any other monarch at the time was doing so it's not i mean it's not that far off than uh, uh czar nicholas and his wife then huh yeah, it's just people, especially that's a good point because she was also, the Tsarina was also from a country that was considered to be the enemy and the union was trying to make the relationship stronger, but people still hated the other country, uh, Austria. Yeah. So 
they were talking shit about Marie Antoinette, especially because the French and the Austrian customs towards the monarchy were so different. Mm, right. Well, anyway, back to this here, Phil. So they associate Mary Louise, Princess de Lambelle, uh, who was a member of Marie Antoinette's court and was her closest confidant. Now, she was killed by a mob in the most horrific fashion, apparently hit with a hammer, decapitated, stripped, and disemboweled, among other things. Uh, her head was impaled on a pike and carried to Marie Antoinette's prison window. I don't know why they throw her in there as well with the uh, curse of the Hope Diamond. I feel like she might have been just an innocent bystander. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's a weird. They did so much shit to her. I mean, just maybe because she was associated with Marie Antoinette, they did all of this crap to her. But that is a that is a lot. That's like, brutal. That's like some Game of Thrones shit, dude. That's more than they did to Gaddafi, pretty much. Oh, I know that's brutal. She's she's the most brutal murder of all of this. But man, that is just it's like I don't know. They took her whole body apart, basically. Pretty much. Oof. There was, I mean, that fucking city was Versailles and Paris. All of that was so out of control during this time. I imagine, a, you know, a crazed mob of revolutionaries were kind of just like killing everybody. Oh, yeah. And there wasn't even like the leadership of the people, like the people's leadership. It kept switching from one side to another. So the people were at war with each other. They were all at war with the monarchy. Once people started to realize France was in turmoil, every single country started fighting France. It was a horrible time to be living in France, at, you know, at Ooh, that period. Apparently. Now, yeah. let me go on to these next two. Now, these these two I find really interesting because I don't know how they got this information, but they associate these two next two people with the death of, uh, or deaths associated with the Hope Diamond. Now, the interesting thing is, is that a lot of the legends say that after the French Revolution, the Hope Diamond just vanished. Nobody knows what happened to it for I until 1812, as far as records are going, right? So mm -hmm. I'm assuming the earrings that are now on display of Marie Antoinette, I'm assuming someone took them as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of made the joke that they, they picked them off of her decapitated But they head. probably but did. They they probably took those from her, like the moment that they raided her, because I think they raided the palace and anything worth anything got taken out. So I'm guessing they probably got sold in succession or stolen by somebody and given to an important person in the revolution. So take these, ne basically take these next two deaths with a grain of salt here. So after the French Revolution and all the looting and all that apparently fell into the hands of a man named Wilhelm Fells. Now, the rumor goes that Wilhelm was not killed by the curse of the diamond, but his son ended up stealing it from him after he had stole it, and his son eventually committed suicide. Okay. So, I don't know. You can take from that what you will. We don't... Basically, what we're saying is we don't know what happened from the French Revolution until it shows up in London. There's a big gap there. Nobody really knows what happened to it. But they, one site speculates that these two gentlemen came into possession of it somehow. Now, the next one is a Greek merchant by the name of Simon. Who 
Ooh, this is a hard name. Mawin Shrids. Something close. There's too many vowels in there for me to pronounce. But he, yeah. came, <laughs> he came into possession after falls. But rumor has it that Simon, his wife, and child, while in possession, drew or drove their car off of a cliff. Now, this is where I think this one's bullshit is because it would have been the early 1800s. And I don't know unless they refer to a cart as a car. Do you know what or I'm a saying? Carriage. A carriage. Maybe that's what they mean. I don't know. Car is short for carriage, so could mean carriage. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe these two did happen. I don't know. They're just speculatory. So, um, but I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I imagine have, you could. Well, I was going to say we have seen in the great documentary Back to the Future Three. Hell yeah! That sometimes carriages driven by horses do go off of the edge of cliffs. So. But unlike the documentary Family Guy, they don't explode when they hit the ground. No, they don't. <laughs> that was like my favorite Family Guy where the Amish drove off a cliff <laughs> and their cart explodes. Meg challenges him to a race. Yeah. All right. Now, apparently in 1812, after the Hope Diamond was unaccounted for for several years, records show that London diamond merchant Daniel Ellison was the current owner in 1812. He recut it and would sell it to King George IV. Now, this is unconfirmed, but it is rumored that after the death of King George IV in 1830, he was so severely in debt that the diamond and his estate were sold through back channels to repay all of that. Have you, do you know much about King George IV? Uh, no, not really. They basically I... made it sound like the crown was in so much debt because of him that they had to secretly sell this diamond to get money to pay for all of his shit. Well, there is... Okay, so after the Revolutionary War between America and England, the there was a huge debt that England... Because England went into big debt after they fought them. England also went into debt after fighting the War of 1812 and the Napoleonic Wars. So in okay. 1830, they would have been, after years of fighting, these expensive wars i can see how they would go into debt after all of that gotcha okay so i guess the timeline kind of matches up there then yeah because they had to fight the americans twice the french which was napoleon they had to fight him and all of his allies that also included a lot they fought all over europe so yeah i can see that uh also uh, King George IV died of upper gastrointestinal bleeding at the age of 67. If you want to throw him into the people who died because of the Hope Diamond as well. Too much hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think British people like hot sauce. I'm just going to throw that out there. He might. That might be why British people don't like flavor in their food to this day. Because he died of, he maybe enjoyed too many spices. And they're like, nope, no pepper, no salt, no nothing. <laughs> just... I was, I, you could see King George being like, Jesus, did someone put a teaspoon of pepper in my goddamn casserole here? It's burning my goddamn mouth. He just falls down dead. <laughs> He's dead instantly. <laughs> what do you want on your chips? Just malt vinegar. That's all I want. I don't want to go out like King George the Fourth. We got a new chef. He put on Laurie's seasoning salt, and then all of a sudden King George the Fourth died. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Anyway, so... Through these back channels of selling it in secret, allegedly, it ended up in the hands of Lord Henry Philip Hope, 
And this is where it garnered the official name of the Hope Diamond. Um, are you related to Lord Henry Philip Hope by chance? No, I am not. But it is good to see another Philip doing well for himself. He only has one L, though. Do you that have, is true. Do you have a beef against Phillips with one L? I actually do. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I tell them have... they're wrong. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're just wrong. You're Your mom forgot an L, dude. I'm not going to yeah. take you serious. It could have just been that maybe Philip spelled with two L's is some kind of Czech Irish thing, but. Very. Uh, hey, that could be. Now, after Lord Philip Hope died. Uh, he passed it on to his oldest nephew, Henry Thomas Hope. Now, apparently, the story goes is that Lord Philip Hope did not have any of his own ch children, and the nephews were the only living heirs. So that's why Henry Thomas Hope got the uh, got the Hope Diamond. Yeah, they must have a big thing in that family with using all three of their names. Well, it was kind of the proper thing to do in the 1800s. For a noble? I mean, for anybody, right? Uh, I don't know if poor people had three names. names, three names back then. Well, think, think about like on Bumblebutt when we covered Ponzi or we covered the molasses flood or we covered Brinkley, like fancy people always had three names. That is true. I do love to hear whenever someone emigrated to America, like back in the 1800s, their last name, they always had these weird like European last names from whatever country they came from. But then the person who was signing them in, they would tell them their last name. And it was like, oof, I don't like that. And they just spelled it however the fuck they felt like spelling it. And that became their new last name. Uh, I kind of wish we had that. I want to oh. do that. Or I don't know when this happened, but you always hear about those people with the, with the word son on the end of their name. Like you wonder at what point was someone asked what their last name was. They said, I don't have one. But my dad's David, so they were just called, like, David's son or John's son. Oh, yeah. Or the uh, village or town that they grew up in, right? Yeah, or their profession, too. Butcher, right. like, Black or Smith, Fletcher, Tanner, that kind of shit. Phil, do you are you aware, once podcast gets big enough, how can you and I become lords? Oh, I don't know. We'd have to do something. We'd have to help out the queen. <laughs> maybe. I will stitch her a hat. Stitch her a hat. I think you might have to actually kidnap children for her for some fresh blood. So I don't know if I could do that. Right. We might have to take reptilian feeding studies at a local college to figure that out. That's true. <laughs> anyway. Go to for that. <laughs> now, supposedly, Henry Thomas Hope was in a considerable amount of gambling debt. It would sell the Hope Diamond to a New York jeweler in 1901 named Simon Frankel. For $148,000, and then he would go on to hang on to the diamond for six years. For 1901, you could get as much cocaine as you wanted, I'm assuming, with $148,000. Oh, yeah, you could buy a barrel full of fucking heroin for $148,000. <laughs> You're balling in 1901 with that much money. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine... You could probably buy an entire property for just a few grand so he was living the high life definitely now after that six years he sold it to turkish sultan abdul hamad the second and he purchased it for four hundred thousand dollars simon made a pretty good profit yeah. on that bad boy he turned it around nicely have you ever heard of sultan uh abdul hamad 
No, I Mid, haven't. Maybe. Do you know where he came? Like what? Like what he was sultan of? No idea. Um. Let me tell you a little of his story here. Now, Sultan Hamid II's entire reign was plagued by misfortune, rebellions, and unsuccessful wars. He was so bad, he apparently earned the nickname Abdul the Damned. I don't know if you want that nickname, dude. No. So what you're saying is he was the Sultan of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I think he was. Before Pittsburgh became colonized like it is now, it used to be ran by sultans. I imagine there was just like all of the people in their trailer parks got together one day and said, you know what? Let's make this a city. And then they decided one guy's the Sultan. <laughs> and then he became Abdul the Damned. Abdul the Damned. Yeah. We have the new Jesus Christ. Terry Bradshaw has been born into the world. We must move on. Dan uh, Marino. They have a big statue to Dan Marino in the city. They probably don't like him because he didn't play football for him. That's true. Well, he did play for Pitt, but. True, true, true. Anyway, now, after this, uh, Abdul Hamid II put the Hope Diamond up for sale, and it eventually ended up in Paris, where it came into the hands of jewel crafter Pierre Cartier. Now, I believe, like, Cartier, I've heard of that before. It's a famous, like, they have famous jeweler company. I wonder if he's maybe a descendant of the person who created that company. I very well could be. I, I feel like I've heard that last name before, so I, I would assume so. Yeah, I wonder if maybe he either set it up or if he was associated with the like the family. Oh, I'm, it I'm, makes sense. I, I'm sure he is. It seems like a lot of these people who touch these jewels, as we'll find out the next couple people who have it, they're kind of famous. Okay. Now, around 1910 is when perhaps the family who had suffered the worst of the curse comes into play. The infamous family that w was that of Mrs. Evelyn Walsh McLean and her husband, Edward Ned Beale McLean. Now, Edward McLean was the heir to the Washington Post newspaper. We all know that. Yeah. Now, now, while in Paris, Pierre uh, first sold Miss Evelyn McLean, the star of East a 94.8 carat white diamond for 120,000. That is a monster diamond. Yeah. Eventually, Pierre traveled to Washington, D.C. in 1911 and visited Evelyn asking if she would like to purchase the Hope Diamond for $180,000, and she would agree. At the point it currently looks is when Pierre designed the custom setting that it is in if you wish to go see it right now so that is his design all the diamonds around it right that i mentioned earlier okay now some sites claim there was a quote fatality clause that came along with the purchase of the hope diamond it seemed like edward mclean said that if anything happened to him if he died or whatever the diamond could be exchanged i almost wonder if at this point if there was a, quote, fatality clause, that this is when kind of the mythos of it started building up. Well, just having something that expensive, I would expect to be the victim of home invasion at some point. When right. got around that you had that shit. Right. So maybe that sort of fatal fatality clause was more along the lines of that verse, if I get cursed and die type of thing. Yeah. Having your throat cut in the middle of the night by your butler or a maid. 
Just and so they could strip it off of you. I can tell you, I've never trusted Alfred. That's true. Anyway, let me go through this timeline of deaths associated with the McLean family. So in 1913, Evelyn's mother-in-law would die of pneumonia. In 1919, Edward and Evelyn's son, Vincent, was hit by an automobile in front of their home and died. In 1929, Edward and Evelyn became officially separated. In 1932, the Washington Post was sold at auction for $825,000. Now, apparently they were doing really bad financially, but then again... Great Depression right then, right? Yeah, that is a fucking bargain. $825,000. For that newspaper? For the newspaper. Oh, yeah. I mean, now with the, you know, the problems that print media is going through, you could probably get it for about that price. But back (laughs) then, that's pretty good. It's not bad. Now, Now, in 1941, Ned McLean dies in a sanatorium from brain atrophy due to alcohol saturation. Now, I look this up. Essentially, what that means is your brain cells are lit- literally quit communicating with the rest of your body. That's, yeah. That sounds well, the, horrible. The, the word atrophy means death, so... Like, if you have like if atrophy in any of your limbs, it means your whim died. <sighs> But, man, you drink so much, your brain cells are like, fuck it, we're not trying anymore. Yeah, I've had some of those nights back in my younger days. <laughs> now, in 1946, Evelyn's only daughter dies at the age of 25 of a drug overdose. In 1947, Evelyn McLean dies at the age of 60. Now, one site, again, grasping for straws, mentions that Evelyn's grandson would later die in Vietnam. A lot of people died in Vietnam, I hate to say it. That family must have really hit hard times if her grandson ended up in Vietnam. If he couldn't pay his way out of it. Didn't have Bush money at that point. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But you can see there, over the next, what, like 40 years, there's a lot of death in there. Mm -hmm. But anyway, in 1949, Henry Winston, a New York jeweler, would purchase the estate jewelry of Evelyn McLean, which included... The 94.8 carat Star of the East Diamond, the 15 carat Star of the South Diamond, a 9 carat Green Diamond, a 31 carat Diamond, which is now called the McLean Diamond, and of course, the Hope Diamond. So for over the next 10 years, Henry Winston took the Hope Diamond, along with the other gems, all over the United States on something he called a Goodwill Tour. No idea what that means. Um, Showing poor people what rich things look like (laughs) and then smacking away their dirty hands when they tried to touch it. I mean, I would assume maybe that is exactly what Henry Winston had done. I have no fucking idea. Now, finally, on November 10th, 1958, uh, Henry Winston donated the Hope Diamond to the Smithsonian Institute. Um, Now, the final tragic event allegedly connected to the Hope Diamond is that of James Todd. Now, James Todd was the mailman who had delivered the diamond to the Smithsonian. Allegedly, after the delivery, James had crashed his truck, shattering his leg. After that, James got into another car crash, injuring his head. And after that, James Todd house burned down to the ground and apparently killed him with it. So apparently he's the last person associated with 
the Hope Diamond curse. It would be really sad to find out if all of that shit happened to him in one day. It was it was just one of those really bad days. It's like he gets. Oh, I was gonna say he gets home from those two car crashes and thinks, "Oh God, I just wanted to go to bed." And his fucking house burns down. Then he falls asleep with a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. He's like, I just need a hard, I just need a goddamn cigarette. My leg's shattered. My fucking head's all jumbled. Just need a cigarette. And he passes out and dies. Yeah. But again, that could just be poor James Todd had a string of bad luck. Now, after the Smithsonian had it in their hands, it has only left their exhibit four times. Once it went to Paris, once it went to a South African exhibit, and twice it went to New York to be cleaned at the Henry Winston Incorporated. Uh, a little, I don't know what there. Seems kind of fishy. They're only having it cleaned by the man who gave it to him. Mm. Uh, he probably has a contract with them. Oh, I'm sure. Finally, in 1998, after extensive remodeling of the display area, the Hope Diamond is exhibited in the new Harry Winston room in the Hall of Geology, Gems, and Minerals of the Natural History Museum of the Smithsonian Institution. Now, Phil, what do you think? Do you think this diamond is cursed? Do you think it just unfortunately has a trail of tragedy that follows it? What do you think? I think it's a little bit of just kind of the story that comes up around these really expensive things. I wonder if there would be any story at all if the Hope Diamond actually just stayed in private hands and never was put in the Smithsonian's institution. If it was just something that you never saw. Like, have you ever heard of, like, the Star of the East, the Star of the South, all of these other diamonds that we're talking about in these stories? You never really hear about them, probably because I imagine they, if they stayed in private hands or private collections— they just never had this like following that the Hope Diamond has. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Like, if we think about it, the Hope Diamond, it passed through how many kings' hands? Five, I think, five different kings' hands. That's pretty mm. impressive. Yeah, it is interesting when you look. I watched a YouTube video on it was different crowns. Um, it was one of those YouTube videos where they they rate different things. This one they rated different crowns from all of these kingdoms from all over the world. And one of them was one of like one of the crowns of the United Kingdom has this large ruby in it. And you think of all the people who have owned that ruby, who have had that thing on top of their head. It's pretty interesting. And it's amazing that that the Hope Diamond never ended up in somebody's crown. Yeah, I think, uh, well, it probably would have if it wasn't for, I guess, the French Revolution and then, Essentially, Britain becoming bankrupt. Yeah, well, I mean, that is true because Britain became bankrupt in the 1830s, but during the Victorian era is when they had their heyday, when they really started putting a lot of resources into India. Oh. So that's when they really started making a lot of money. I just, you know, like when I was w looking up the death chair, right? Let's say if there's a top 10 list, a lot of people put like, the death chair as maybe, I don't know, maybe number two, number three, the Hope Diamond is always number one, unlike the death list. But if you listen to it, a lot of these people just died. Like, people die, I'm sorry. It's just, doesn't matter who you are, you're going to face death eventually. And unfortunately, 
It has a death trail associated with a lot of very famous people. And what happened? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that's the thing about when a, when a monarch dies, there's always some kind of weird conspiracy or story behind it. Even the guy who lived to be, what was it, 77, and just died of pretty much natural causes. His death gets some kind of story behind it. But, you know, the poor person who was cleaning out his chamber pot, that guy drops dead and everyone's like, oh, he just kind of fucking died. And then they <laughs> drag his body to the hole and throw it in. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And especially like how they even found this diamond in the first place has like this mystical Indiana Jones type adventure of a man stealing the jewel and then he was cursed and he died and then the kings got it and yada, 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 yada. Yeah, they were probably just mining for like tin or iron or something and happened to find it in the rocks like oh i bet the i bet the big chief would like this and then just handed it to him i should ask you if you know so there is one site that associates the very first death even before like the the hindu priest with a russian i don't know if it was a czar or something coming into contact with the hope diamond was let's say in i'm trying to do the timeline maybe like maybe it was the 1600s when it was first found maybe i have that messed up but the 1600s did India and Russia, were they connected somehow? Any idea? Mm, no, not really. They, yeah, the 1600s, they wouldn't, like, Russia wasn't that big of a deal. And India was very much not that big of a deal in the 1600s. I mean, they, I'm trying to think when they were, they would have been very close to each other. Just, but the the Himalayas really did a good job of separating a lot of those countries. And there was also China that separated them too. So I don't really think so. Yeah, I I think that might have been just some bullshit that people are throwing in there. Yeah, I I mean, it depends on what time frame you're talking about. Because if you were talking about like the 1800s, then yeah, they would have had, there was uh, the competition between Russia and England for control of that area of the world, especially like Afghanistan, the Caucasus, you know, all of those places. So then there would have been maybe some, you know, correlate, like some relation there, but I don't really think so in the 1600s. Yeah, I'm assuming just someone trying to just add to the death count associated with the Hope Diamond. But like, like, to me personally, like the two other things we covered, let's say the, uh, the uh, death chair and even the Pharaoh's curse, I mean, you can draw a line there, but more often than not, this is just kind of accidents happen. People die. People die of natural causes. Just how it is. I would love to see the Hope Diamond, by the way. I would see that exhibit in a heartbeat. That sounds fascinating. But uh, if they really wanted to find out if it has a death curse, let Nicolas Cage wear it around. If he doesn't, if he dies, then we'll know there is. If he doesn't die, then we know there's no curse on it. Yeah, well, I mean, he is a immortal being, so if he actually did die, then yeah, definitely there's got to be something to it. The same yeah. with the death chair. They should just have all of those cursed objects, like have Nicolas Cage sit on the Bugsby chair, have him wear the Hope Diamond around his neck, see, you know, see if he can take him out, validity. and then have him dig up some uh, Pharaoh's tombs, just send him in there first, see if anything happens. Oh, yeah, see if he gets eaten by all the locusts. He just walks out with all of these fucking 
all these bugs and shit like climbing into his skin. He's like, I wouldn't go in there. No, <laughs> it's not good. He just doesn't die though, even though the traps were supposed to kill him. Well, the best part is we'll either find out if the jewelry is cursed or we'll find out if he's immortal. So win-win either way. I was going to say one thing quick. It is always funny whenever you see like a movie or any or like a cartoon or anything about them finding some kind of like really valuable item. They always seem to have this montage where an extremely poor person finds it and then a slightly less poor person kills him for it. And then it just keeps going on and on until it ends up into like a king's hand, you know? I mean, kind of what happened with Hope Diamond, really. I was, it's, you, you imagine that that's probably the same thing that happened back before like history was recorded of this. Some poor miner probably found it. And then that miner was killed by his supervisor and then so on and so on until the deaths leading up to it. So there's already probably a lot of death associated to it within the first years of it being found, you know? Oh, without a doubt. Those are just undocumented deaths. All, yeah, all the undocumented deaths is what I was getting to. Yeah, but anyway, uh, Phil, if anybody has, honestly, if anybody's seen this exhibit and wants to let us know about the Hope Diamond, where can they tell us about it at? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. They can also get to us through our Instagram on subliminaldeceptionpodcast on IG. Uh, we love hearing from everybody. A uh, lot of great suggestions in recent weeks. A lot of great everything. A lot of great activity. So keep it up. Uh, Cody and I also have our own Instagrams. Mine's sdpodphil. I really have started using it since the pandemic, and I'm on it pretty much every day now. Cody, you've got one. Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Cody's Above, but you can look at my crazy conspiracy people stories. A uh, little trolly. I love them. The last thing we need you guys to do is if you are a listener on iTunes, log on there, leave the show a five-star review, write whatever you want. It really helps the show grow. If you're a Spotify user, log on to Spotify, hit the follow button. It's all you have to do. You'll always be updated when we drop the latest episode. Otherwise, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. A little history lesson here and uh, learning about a very precious jewel. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.